M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. I've just been sitting there in the corner clutching my little anxiety blanket. This is M. Salation. I'm Michael. I'm from the suburbs. I can't play sport. And would anyone like to watch Aladdin on VHS? <laughs> Could I have birthed them? No? Feel free to perv. I mean, your genes are very strong. <laughs> very you. strong. I can't believe my genes aren't in there going, Scott, yeah! You're in M. Salation. Am I putting a googie egg up my juts? <laughs> Hello, hello. How are you? It's me, it's Em, your guide. <laughs> Don't know why I keep saying that. I'm a terrible guide. I'd get distracted. We'd go on tangents. I'd probably fall over. I might cry. I mean, it would be a roller coaster if I was your guide on anything. Welcome to episode two of season two of Emsolation, the podcast about politics, pop culture, and sometimes princesses. I do it with Michael Lucas, my best friend. You guys know that. I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet because, look, the number one criticism of last week's episode was that it wasn't long enough, so we'll fix that this week. It's a bumper edition, probably going to hit around 50 minutes, so hopefully that gets you to and from work or gets you through the pile of washing or it gets you out on your power walk. Special hello to all our Queensland listeners. We'll get you through lockdown, darlings. Eek us out if you need to. You can do it. I mean, you know, as someone who did four months, you can do a few days. I promise you. It's not a competition, but we would win. But I'm very sorry for you, but we would win. But it's shit. <laughs> God, it's just so, you just can't make plans. And and it's petty, but it is Easter. It is the long weekend. And I know a lot of you are mothers who have probably planned trips away because the job is usually yours. And now that's all gone into disarray and you've got to spend all that time in the house. Easter egg hunts inside if you do that sort of thing. I'm already on a tangent. Uh, I'm good. I'm very good. I started off with a new psychiatrist this week. Yeah, that's right. I've gone to the big guns. The psychologist, it wasn't heavy enough liquor for me. I was having a little bit of a white wine and now I need some scotch in the form of a psychologist, psychiatrist. I had some brain mapping done today. I had to have electrodes on my scalp to figure out how my brain works. So we get those results next week. I was half expecting the machine to explode, but it didn't. And I had to do an attention test, which I definitely failed. I had to sit for 20 minutes and press a button every time a square went somewhere. And, oh, my God, I just couldn't concentrate for 20 minutes. What have I become? What have I become? So I'm good. I'm just really trying to get on top of my mental health because COVID and the lockdown unraveled it in a way that I think I'm having a midlife renaissance as I've talked about before, I'm not having a crisis. I'm just completely, I unraveled and now I'm re-raveling. Now I'm rebuilding myself mentally in the correct way with no band-aids, <laughs> you know, no gaping holes sewn up with hope and floss, just doing it right, getting it right. And I feel really powerful about it. I don't feel weak or embarrassed. I feel like powerful that I'm taking control of my brain. All right, that's enough. Right now you're about to hear me review Hamilton. Did you guys uh, know that I saw Hamilton on the weekend? Did I mention that at all? Did I tell you? <laughs> so we do that. We also discuss a film clip by Lil Nas X. It's a stunning visual smorgasbord. It's a three acts. If you haven't seen it, maybe it might help you to watch it. If you pause it now and just bring it up on your phone. It's called Call Me By Your Name. Lil Nas X, just go watch it. Maybe don't watch it around anyone under 15. 
that's just your choice, whatever. And then come back and listen. It just depends. It's like, do I watch the Disney version of Hamilton before I see it live? Do I watch the Lil Nas X film clip before Em and Michael take me through it step by step? That is your personal choice. And we talk a little bit about Britney and a little bit about our Queensland pals. Enjoy. Hey, thanks for choosing us. It means a lot. You don't, you'll never know what it means to me until maybe you read it in my eulogy because <laughs> from someone who was bruised and battered doing breakfast radio and never being able to be her true self and having to be kind of forced upon the general public who happened to be listening at that time of the drive to work, you guys deliberately choose to listen to me. And that's something that I always get teary thinking about. Thanks for choosing me because for so long, no one really did. <laughs> oh, poor him. I'm good. All right. That was a manic, but me. And you chose it. Play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. All right, Michael Lucas. We didn't know if we should address it first or last, but... I did attend. I mean, I don't know if you're aware. I don't know if anyone's aware. <laughs> I kept it on the DL. I did attend the Australian premiere of Hamilton on the weekend. You're very restrained about it. <laughs> just dropped a couple did, of references. Didn't even tell a soul. You know, I just didn't want to make a big deal about it. Didn't want to. Yeah, I went. I mean, and it lived up to everything I wanted, I have to tell you. In terms of matching my anticipation, because often for me, the lead up to events is far more exciting than the actual event itself. You know, dress up parties, mm. any kind of social item, planning the outfit and the theme. I much more enjoy that part than actually sitting there and oh. doing the thing. Another 10 years, we're going to skip the events altogether, I can say. We'll just do the preparations. In fact, there's no reason right now why we could. We might as well tell each other we're going to the Oscars and then get all the prep, do all the makeup, take the pictures, and then just change the tracksuits and walk them on the couch. There's no event that you and I can't get the most out of considering we don't actually have to go. That is so true. And you just that's such a good idea for us to start doing that. And the relief of looking at each other once we're all done up and a bit drunk from getting ready and going, do you want to just... Stay home? Yes! (laughs) You always wanted to run in a gold medal event in an Olympics. Well, let's just, we'll just prep. I'll be there. I'll make the signs. We'll get everything all ready. Take a selfie, then get changed. We're so old. My friend Ruben said to me last night, there's three acts in a performing woman's life, and it's ingenue, mother, and then turban and monocle. (laughs) I said. Oh, wow. (laughs) I said, oh, can I just express to Turban and Monocle, please? Like, is that is that a thing? Yeah. Turban and Monocle, that's us very shortly. To be honest, I think there were already elements of Turban and Monocle in your earlier shows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you were, maybe some idol performances had the whiff of ingenue, but basically you've, you came yeah. in, it was, a, it was a pretty heavy turban you were wearing right from the start. Anyway. <laughs> oh, we're sidetracked already. So... I don't know where to begin. The red carpet, all right, my shoes kept falling off because I was wearing stockings because I couldn't be by the fake tanning my legs. And I saw that Beyonce wore stockings to the Grammys. She wore black opaques. And I said, right, well, if it's okay for Beyonce, it's okay for Emmy. <laughs> That's the <laughs> rule. That's how we do our lives. <laughs> didn't have to shave my legs. I mean, there were spikes poking through, but the cameras didn't pick up on that on the red carpet. <laughs> So Chella was effortlessly age-appropriate, beautiful. Her kind of theme and vibe was like West Side Story, a little bit of a little bit of Cinerita, red, curvaceous 
vibes. Um, what is age appropriate was... for Chella? Because she's 19. What, what what do you mean by that? Is it because she was like slightly more innocent, a bit more dreamy and kind of... No, no, no. I mean in terms of sometimes you see, you know, when there's young actresses, they dress them like 50-year-old women. Oh, that is so true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. her away stars she that come out and you're young. like, are you 45? Yeah. <laughs> Age appropriate by, I mean, just by that she looked 19. She didn't look like like she was trying to dress up like her mum. It was mm. perfect. Mm. She played it perfectly. She picked it. I was more dressed up as though the theme was Star Trek, sexy captain infiltrating alien world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was more my vibe. <laughs> you actually, you kind of reminded me a little bit of, there's a bit in the toxic video clip, most guys would know this, when Brittany comes out as the air hostess and there was a slight vibe of that to what you're doing, like interstellar mm. air hostess too, I would say. Mm. Sharp shoulders, Interstel- sharp shoulders. Oh, yeah, very sharp. Balancing the hips, as my nana would say. So that was fine. I got through it, had my photo taken, did some spins. We got inside. Oh, Richard Wilkins. I saw Richard Wilkins have a bit of a meltdown on the red carpet, <gasps> and there is there is video and photo footage of him cracking it. Oh, Dickie cracking it because everyone was going to Ange Bishop and bypassing him. What? <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> when Dickie's on a red carpet, he deserves his moment, I think. I agree. And he kept saying to his producer, what's going on? And there's incredible footage and photos of him just snarling at Angela Bishop, who I spoke to after and I had a long conversation with Bronwyn Bishop. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, oh, my God. And Jay Bish was on the red carpet in this sherbet sequin frock, Julie Bishop, Mm. with long blonde hair and her hot, like, tight man piece, whatever his name is, <laughs> she looked a million bucks. I'll say it again. I disagree with all of her politics, but Jesus Christ, she knows how to do a red carpet. Oh, God. Yeah. She was. She just looked phenomenal. I, I mean, her, just- yeah, the end of her political career was far too premature and, and disappointing, but the upside is she can achieve her obvious next goal of being a red carpet absolute <laughs> staple and style maven. But, and this was amazing, Gladys Berejiklian did the red carpet, right? Oh, I saw. And she had front and centre an original black large Gigi Gucci maman handbag, which would set you back about five grand. <laughs> Only front the uneducated eye would know that. <laughs> front and centre of her outfit. And I was like, that's a statement. When JobKeeper is ending <laughs> for most people in the country, Gladys has rocked up with a Gucci, like, and not just like casually slung over the shoulder, held as though a firstborn child. <laughs> presented to the cameras. <laughs> and I, I I said to Chella, Jesus, Gladys has got a gooch front and centre. <laughs> Look, that's her personal <laughs> stimulus check. She's right there. So we were in there in the kind of preamble. Everyone's having drinks and very excited and um, such a strange eclectic mix of Australian celebrities. Like Carrie mm. Ann was there. Was Ange there as a guest or was she there on, uh, like, interview? Both, both. Oh, yeah. okay, double duty, right. Yeah. She I thought, is that why Richard Wilkins was angry? Because he's like, you get behind that velvet rope. You ask oh, the questions, I answer them. <laughs> Pretty 
much. I don't know. It was really strange. Like everyone was there. It was a really, it was a good mix. It was a good turnout. Delta Goodrum was there. Had a long chat to Delts. Turn. I should hope so. It would be a good turnout. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine much. if you rocked up and you're like, it's a bit patchy. I mean, it was two thirds full, but you know, oh, no shows. Oh, Michael, when Keith Urban rocked up with the children, I was like, oh my God, where's Nickers? Where's Nickers? <laughs> Nickers was a no show. Oh, is she even oh, in the no. country? Probably not. Maybe. I don't know. So it was a good crowd. And then Chella and I walked into the theatre and we showed our tickets to the Usher. And we'd walked in at the back, like, uh, assuming we were going to be, like, up in the nosebleeds with, like, you know, the tech supports mother-in-law. <laughs> and then she goes, oh, no, right this way. And so we're walking, we're walking past Anthony Albanese. Nah, keep going. We're walking past Gladys. Nah, keep going. We're walking past Waleed and Susan. Nah, keep going. We're walking past Richard Glover. We're walking past everyone to three rows from the front where I'm sat down in front of Deb Oswald, the mm. creator and writer of Offspring, your mm. friend, and Chella and I were like, oh, my God, we couldn't believe it. <laughs> we were three rows in the centre from the front in the best seats in the house. Do like, you think it technically means you're now our Governor-General? Because it sounds like that was the line of power that you described. <laughs> <laughs> I think definitely, probably. <laughs> I looked at the seat in front of me. It was Queen fucking Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> it was so exciting. And then, God, we just, the show started that. Dun, 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 oh. And then my friend Lyndon Watts came out playing Burr. The best role. In the, the best role. And the show began, and I instantly felt held by the cast. I was nervous because obviously I'm so attached to the original recording and the and I've watched the Disney Plus so much that Disney sends like welfare emails to check I'm okay. Um, <laughs> and I felt held, held and supported and confident in this young, brilliant Australian slash New Zealand cast. Antipodean cast. Antipodean, yes. It was incredible to see all the performers of colour, Indigenous performers, the black performers, in their rightful spot because so often in productions the most talented performers are the BIPOC performers but they're put in the chorus in the ensemble because there's no roles for Mm. them. But to see this group of strong, powerful, like the dancing and the singing to all come together and I was looking around and there was a lot of uh, people of colour in the audience. They really got the invite list right. It was a diverse audience. It wasn't just that rich white crowd from Sydney. It was full of young, hot people of colour, Asian men and women, Italian immigrants' daughters. That's me. Um, Like (laughs) it was, you know, spot the old crusty white guy, which I loved. Um, So You would have been radiating good immigrants get the job done energy, I think. Oh, I screamed that line. Immigrants, we get the job done. (laughs) Did that get a cheer? Because when I saw it on Broadway, that got a big cheer. I did get a cheat. All right, ask me questions. You ask me questions. Go. Okay. Was wait for it. I mean, obviously that's one of your favorite shows, and you love and you're friends with that performer. How did you? Did, which did you cry? Were you able to even focus? Like, how did you go? Wait for it. Lyndon plays Burr in a very quiet way, mm-hmm. in a quietly confident, elegant way. Whereas Leslie Odom Jr., who plays Burr on the Broadway production, is more American, is more brash and mm-hmm. in your face. 
Mm-hmm. So straight away it was a different vibe. Mm-hmm. My one criticism of the show is that the mics were not turned up loud enough. I couldn't hear it. That's a, that could be a thing problem though. They'll fix that. Yeah, I think so. But I couldn't hear it properly. Like I was straining and I was three rows from the front. Mm. I wanted to hear every spit bubble and breath and I was just not being able to hear it. So it was great. The most emotional song for me was Burn, though. Oh, um, yeah. Well, I, because I think Hamilton's wife is one of the characters that I, I, she's brilliant. Eliza. She's brilliant, the the Broadway one. But you sort of feel like I reckon there's more angles you can find on that character. Well, and, Chloe Zool found that, the Australian mm. girl who played her. I think topped Philippa Sue. Philippa Sue? The Broadway Eliza, mm. I have to say, for me, Chloe was best on ground <gasps> in the cast. Ooh, yes. Rare that we'll so give it to an Eliza, but yeah, interesting. No. Jason Arrow, who played Hamilton, was incredible. He was the closest to Lynn Manuel to the original player. Like mm. he was essentially young Lynn Manuel Miranda. Mm. That, like I felt very familiar and safe with Jason Arrow's uh, depiction of Hamilton. Everything was very familiar with that. He was great incredible but for me the star of the show was yeah chloe played eliza Mm. she was amazing oh my gosh and shaka cook also um young indigenous guy who played hercules mulligan oh that's such a killer role yeah and james madison he has so much charisma that kid this is his first musical theater role he's never sung on stage in public before insane Was Were there any bits where the staging of it really surprised you? Because I remember when I saw it on Broadway, the bit that killed me, uh, this is before Disney Plus, obviously, was when Hamilton first met Angelica and he kissed her hand and there was a bit where all the cast like inhaled and the lights went down and came back up again, like it really made a moment. But you barely see it in the Disney version. Like you can't sort of, were there there bits of the staging where you're like, I didn't know that was happening around here or... No, I think I've watched the Disney version so many times. I could pretty much direct the set. Like there are points I'm like, oh, you guys need to be further across when you do the punch on the, like I could dance the dance bit out when the when the rotund is going around and they're doing the, the punchy well, It's good arms. to know if any performer yeah. had gone down mid-performance, you would have been like, oh, I've got it, guys. I'm all right. I can just pick it up. Do we want to just go back to the top of that song and we're good to go? Straight away. Everyone was great. Well done to the cast. Go and see it if you're in Sydney. It's going to be there to the end of the year and then I think it's coming to Melbourne and then I think it's going to do Brisbane, Perth. I think it's going to be around for a couple of years. So um, go and see it. Absolutely. But they are now taking bookings for November. So get Mm. in. (laughs) We got a message from listener Bettina. And here's her conundrum. I got tickets to Hamilton in two weeks. Should I watch it on Disney first? or wait for the live show. I've been telling everyone I want to see it live first and then watch it, but a friend of mine has almost convinced me to watch Disney first. I like to be blown away by a production and then become obsessed. What should I do? What do you think? What do you think? I have my No, what do you think? Do it. Give it. I'm not sure about watching the entire show. I don't know if they go that far, but I do think a level of familiarity with the story and some of the key songs is good because the show is so fast and they rap really fast. It comes out you thick and fast. And when, when we saw it in the US, I knew the general story in broad terms and I had deliberately listened to about six of the songs. So I was a bit familiar with them, like my shot I'd listened to and satisfied and a few other ones. Whereas Adrian went in not knowing anything. And then when it got to interval, 
um, I was just beside myself loving it. Whereas he was like desperately looking at Wikipedia going, I'm just just trying to catch, because it's so thick and fast and dense. So I think the zone you want to be in is not quite having watched it all on Disney Plus necessarily, but I would still just familiarise yourself with the history of Hamilton a bit and and just listen to the top songs on Spotify or something, just so you're a little bit aware. There's You've got some hooks that you're used to. Em, what's your opinion? I thoroughly agree, actually. Adrian's Michael's husband, for those of you who are oh, unaware. <laughs> Look, I agree. As someone who consumed it relentlessly every day, I still loved it so much. It's hard not to compare. It's just the whole show, the Australian version, is younger fresher and not as brash because they haven't done it as many times. We watched the one on Disney Plus that was performed by the original cast that had done it, you know, well over 500 times. Mm. So it's a different vibe. So I think you're in danger of don't watch it, but I would 100% listen to the soundtrack. You will not be let down by these singing in any way in the Australian cast. And it's a very dense storyline. You're right. So go and learn get a brief understanding of the founding father's story. Otherwise, you'll be sitting there going, what? Totally. We don't get taught it in school, so you need to know a bit. No. no. <laughs> I, don't know. I wish there was a position. I wish you could be some sort of doctor that basically prescribes the perfect conditions for musicals. If someone needed that consulting service, we are so primed. I have so many skills that are useless to real life. <laughs> <laughs> you know what Em's mum used to say? Oh, she's good at everything uh, that doesn't count. Something like that. Wasn't it? It was really harsh. What She's good at everything that doesn't matter, uh, is what Jenny used to say. Hades <laughs> parenting. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. But look, you proved her wrong. Yeah, it's, well, it's important now that we're especially coming up next, we're going to forensically deconstruct a music film clip. And my God, that's what she used to say to me. If only you knew your times tables as well as you knew that rap in vogue. Well, <laughs> look who's laughing now, Jenny. It is absolutely true. I struggle to do any times tables, but I tell you what, that rap in vogue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Greta Garbo, Marilyn Monroe, Dietrich oh. and DiMaggio. And, like, it'll never leave me. No, but also I can do, let's talk about sex for now. For the people at home or in the crowd. It keeps, I can do, let's talk about sex. I can do, what a man, what a man. I can yeah. rap all the salt and pepper lyrics. Hey there, all cutie. Shoop, shoop, a doobie. Like Scooby Doo. Like Scooby Doo. -do. <laughs> like what you do. Anyway. <laughs> We will have a side <laughs> podcast where we just do our favourite 90s raps. Pretty much. Now, Lil Nas X, Lil Nas, Lil Nash, Lil Nas. We say Nas because we're Australian. He is an American, 21-year-old American musician, predominantly, I guess I'd call him a rapper, and we would know him in Australia mainly for his song, Old Town Road, I'm going to... Right, which was like set some sort of record for yeah. being at number one in Billboard. And it's also weirdly one of those songs that's crossed over like every kid knows it. Mm. Mm. And every like grandparent knows it. It really did cross generations, that song. Oh, I hated it. Oh, well, my they combined, God. It brought in the country audience and the urban audience and just the general <laughs> pop audience. So, I mean, yeah. I'm surprised there haven't been more attempts to sort of do the same thing, to just let's just take some country and then put in some rap and then we'll get every, yeah. you know, angle of America. But then the conservative country music audience found out about Lil Nas X and... Uh, some of them got a bit mad about it. Look, he's managed to break the outrage machine this week with his music video for his song, Montero, Call Me By Your Name. And, I mean, 
you sent this to me oh, and I started watching it and I it's just there was I don't in case you haven't picked it up from the way we're talking, Will Nas X is he's a homosexual. He's gay. Oh yeah. He came out he's gay. and that that is actually mm. still incredibly rare in the rap R and B world. That's still a very sort of straight world and mm. yeah, and, and there are very, very few gay rappers. In fact, mm. I mm. can't think of another one. <laughs> I but also for so long, pop artists and R&B artists have been forced, if they are gay, to talk about, sing about the opposite sex and pretend, pretend, pretend. So first off the bat, this kid is 21 and he's opening the door. Not only is he queer, <laughs> Pun he's intended. black. Yeah. <laughs> he's black. He grew up in a church environment and he's completely proud and owning who he is and has a predominantly young audience. So straight away ticking boxes for me. Tick, 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 tick. Tick my boxes. And the music video, I had to have a rest because it was so <laughs> I was so overstimulated. It's a visual feast. It's it, it's three acts. Okay. So we open on little Nas in the Garden of Eden. And he is playing Eve. Yeah. And also the snake. He plays a lot of roles. And then the snake and Eve pash. So the little Nas pashes himself. It progressed to, to some licking. Oh, that, he had sex with himself. Hmm. Yeah. The snake and Eve. I think he's Eve. It's not quite the Bible you remember. <laughs> <laughs> but the main characters are there. Familiar yeah, faces. Yeah, and there's temptation. Yeah. Temptation, sinful snake, sex, Eve's glamorous hair. But it's little Nas, who's a man. Then he, he gets punished for the acts in the Garden of the Eden and we go to the Colosseum where he's now had a costume change and he's in like a pink Marie Antoinette wig mm. and he's being led in by people in the Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake denim suit outfits. He's being led in by those people dressed in that with like Marge Simpson beehives. Also played by him. <laughs> by Lil Nas. <laughs> I can just imagine those meetings where they're like, okay, who are we going to cast as the guards? And he's like saying that. Maybe should it be me as well? <laughs> I just wanted to be involved in the first pitch meeting for this. All right, guys, <clears throat> can everyone sit down? You got the sticky notes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. This is what I'm seeing, guys. Okay. First of all, <laughs> Garden of want, Eden. <laughs> Garden of Eden. We've got Snake. We've got Eve. We got, you know, some sex between. I'm just thinking Nas is just going to do the whole thing. Are we on board with this? Yeah, great. And then I want to have some Latin written on the tree. It's got to say something provocative. Great. Okay, cool, 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 cool. All right, and then he's got to go and he's got to go to the Colosseum. He's got to be judged. Oh, you know what I reckon the judges should be wearing? I reckon they should be wearing denim. Oh, that's a nice touch. <laughs> now I realise the that there was an M. Rossiano in this pitch meeting and she had had a lot of coffee and maybe just quietly a bit of gin. <laughs> And so, anyway, he gets condemned, oh, and then okay. you think he's this is the condemned, the the method of being condemned. Okay, wait, 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 okay, wait, 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 no, wait, wait before you get, you can do the condemned because it is something really sexy about it, though. Like, so initially you think he's ascending to heaven, and then he gets blocked, he gets cock blocked by another angel, and then take it away. Then he plummets to hell, but it is the method of transportation that I find. So basically, what emerges is this massive stripper pole to hell. And then he now with like a red plaited wig and shirtless, but wearing enormous sort of hooker stripper boots, basically pole dances all the way down to hell. And several positions, several positions. He twists around, he goes upside down, humps, humps. Yes. Yeah. 
He subsequently <laughs> revealed that he did, <laughs> like, much like J-Lo with Hustlers, he'd done extensive pole dancing. I mean, it's the weird thing is it's so much CGI and animation that it could be anything but. There's one particular point where he's really, he's facing down and he's got the pole between his legs and he's got the legs astride and he is just zooming on down, zooming on down right to hell. And it is, it is an electrifying image and you think, how could this clip get any better? But wait. <laughs> and then it does. I just thought, I rewound and watched the pole bit a few times. There's something about him sliding down the pole with those thigh-high PVC boots and the red cornrows with the dreadlocks just... I, don't know, I felt really excited by it. Just that <laughs> there was something really sexy and sensual and choreographed and smooth and natural about the pole slide that he did. Oh, and, and in the pitch meeting again, it would be like, I mean, should you Guys, grip we need it? A pole. Should, yeah, but should you grip it? Should you hump it? Should you twist around? And he's going, well, I, why not all? Like we, that we could just do it. It could be a very long pole, very long yeah. trip to hell. I reckon we'd yeah. go through a few different stages. And yeah, yeah he's, he's a very limber fellow too. I mean, when he, yeah, he oh, got yes. a good back arch happening in several points. Oh, yeah. Like in the meeting like Dave how much CGI do we need for a pole to hell can you do it <laughs> cool sweet yeah Dave can do a pole to hell guys that's fine Kate put that on the list he's gonna regret <laughs> it when he's at the Vegas show at 49 and people are like do the pole bit and he's like <laughs> do the pole do the pole to hell so strip a pole to hell gets off the strip pole to hell and then walks in and Satan is sitting on the crown mm. and so little Nas X does what we would all do at this point in time <laughs> Give Satan a sexual lap dance. Mm. He does. <laughs> Satan maintains a stony face, but Lil Nas X gets more and more into it. And then we don't really have clarification about whether there was penetration, but it looks like it. That's what I can say because there's several moments where Nas's facial expressions let you know something's happened down there. Yeah, something is happening down there. I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure if you lap dance the god of hell, he would slip it in. Like, I just feel like that's something he would do. I think so. And then Nas kills him. And then takes his headpiece and becomes Satan himself. End of clip. <laughs> what does it Finn. have to do with the song? Couldn't tell you. No idea. The song's no, basically the song... about give me a call on one of your binge nights. And <laughs> um... Yeah. The song is about a, a secret affair he had with a man. Duh. Can't you see that in the three-act <laughs> extravaganza that we've just described to people in stunning form? Stunning. The thing about this, it, and the, the right have come out clutching their pearls, losing their minds, and it's ironic because they're the people that have kind of gone against cancel culture, the religious right in the States, and been like, oh, cancel culture, everyone's a snowflake, stop it, stop it. And, like, they've had a big few weeks with the Dr. Zoo stuff happening and... Mr. Potato Head becoming Potato Head, uh, losing his genitals. Like, it's yeah. been a big few weeks for the right. And then Lil Nas X has come out with the film clip. And just listen to this. This is Greg Locke, who's a right-wing pastor. He did a whole sermon on the film clip. Have a listen. Mm. I didn't know who Lil Nash X was. <laughs> Lil Thug, whoever. I, know, I, I had no idea who he was. We was riding this morning. Hudson said, well, you know who, what made him famous? I said, well, he said, you know, he was that horses song. Got my horses and whatever that song. I was like, man, that song's got a cool beat. I'll never be able to listen to it again. Bunch of devil worshiping wicked nonsense. Pentagram wearing on your Nike tennis shoe 666. You think I'm going to stand for that? You've lost your mind. You tell little Dash X I said so. Bunch of Satanism, bunch of wickedness, bunch of devilism, bunch of demonism, bunch of psychotic wickedness. So, as you can see, they've got their knickers in a right knot. And he's been absolutely eviscerating them on Twitter. It has been. Have oh, you seen it? Spectacular. <laughs> spectacular. His Twitter game is, I mean, he's up there with Cardi B, 
He just does not miss. And he's so cool. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And someone tweeted at him, so you ride down a stripper pole and give Satan a lap dance and you're proud of that? And he just wrote back, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people keep on saying, kids like Old Town Road. And now you've done this. <laughs> oh, my oh. God. First of all, if your kids are watching this film clip, there's going to be some questions. And that's okay. I'm happy to field them. But it's not his responsibility. He's an artist. He is a rapper. I don't think it's Nas's responsibility to teach your kids about Satanism. And it's, it, you can't blame an artist for that. But what I do, I do love about all of this is there's now been a controversy with Nike. So this just keeps getting better and better. Upon the release of the film clip, he released 666 <laughs> pairs of Nike 97s with one drop of human blood in the air bubble down the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> now, unfortunately, no one ran that by Nike. And Nike started getting complaints from some of their Christian customers and they've had to lodge a court order against Lil Nas and Mischief, the company that makes the runners. And they've said, in the short time since the announcement of the Satan shoes, Nike has suffered significant harm to its goodwill, including among consumers who believe that Nike is now endorsing <laughs> Satanism. <laughs> He's a marketing genius. He's a market. And those shoes were $1,000 each, 1300 sold out in three seconds. So if I were Nike, I'd be hooking... Glenn in accounting up to a fucking blood machine and I would be. <laughs> and then, and then he yeah. put up this video on YouTube that was titled Lil Nas X apologizes for Nike Satan shoes. I mean, the title itself. <laughs> and he comes on and he looks really remorseful going, I just want to say I'm really, really sorry about it. And he goes, just kidding. And then he plays the lap dance section from the video clip again. <laughs> I have to say, not since, I, you have to go all the way back to, Madonna's like a prayer Madonna. and then losing losing the Pepsi contract for just the most entertaining, blasphemous controversy. Amazing. I just thought, but he's also like, you guys, I killed Satan. Isn't he your ultimate enemy? Like, shouldn't you be thanking me? It's why, What's the problem here? And at the end of the day, if all of it was presented but it was a woman and it was straight, how much of this would, oh. um, would have been stirring up controversy? It'll be totally fine. And while we wrap Lil Nas up, I just want to give a shout out to all the history nerds who have come forward and said, this is spectacular. It is clearly deeply researched. The medieval Christian Greco-Roman flavours are spot on for us. Bravo, Lil Nas X. (laughs) Beautiful. You could study a university course about it and no doubt one day people will. (laughs) I love decoding. We've really, I mean, yeah, from WAP, that was an amazing clip to decode. Watermelon sugar. We just live to decode smutty video. And often they don't take much decoding. (laughs) No, but this does come from our obsession with Madonna's film clips. I mean, we were, you and I were brought up on, nourished by. That's right. Justify my love. I mean, my God, they were the events that we lived for. (laughs) Oh, all right. So all of you need to go and watch it if you haven't seen it. We'll pop a bit up online, obviously. But yes, I just say well done. And just on top line, so many queer black kids who grew up in church being told who they were was fundamentally wrong and they were going to burn in hell. To watch him slide down a stripper pole to said hell and conquer it, 
What a message. Oh, what a message. And his dad sent him a really beautiful little oh. text that he tweeted that said something like, watched your clip, thought it was really imaginative. Well done, son. <laughs> you live how you want to live or something like that. And it was really oh. nice. And he was crying when he received it. And anyway. Well, his dad's good, a gospel singer. <gasps> yeah, good parent. Yeah. Didn't even so know it's a big that. deal. Hmm. Big deal. Moving on. Let's go Brittany. Brittany has finally kind of in a twirling, whirling dervish video of her spitting, 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 spitting. In the caption, she has said that she did watch the doco and it made her cry for weeks because of the light in which they painted her. What do you think that means? Oh, well, I, I could easily imagine watching that doco and crying for two weeks if I were her, no question. But also I guess, I guess the thing about the doco is that it does present her as a bit of a victim in the situation. And that might be really confronting, especially if you don't necessarily see yourself that way. Um, you know, she didn't have any involvement with it. It's really personal stuff. Actually, the bit about her caption that got me the most was, I mean, it's a very Britney Spears-esque thing to say, but it was just like, you know, I just want to pass on happiness and love and joy and everything like that. And I can imagine that I do sense that she really sincerely wanted to be the kind of entertainer that was just a really super entertaining, happy, joyful entertainer. And now you'd be watching it thinking, my legacy is all of this now. Like uh, how much are my songs remembered and how much is just the trauma of it? It would be confronting. I don't know. I, I oh. sense it's because it would be hard to see yourself presented as a victim if, if you personally feel like you're not, you, you know. I mean, I'm just reading that into it, but that's what I imagine she felt. That's so true about the legacy stuff. But, I mean, that doco was very pro Britney. Yeah, it was empathetic and supportive. Yeah, and it certainly explained a lot of things that were misconstrued by the public, you know, that the circumstances around her shaving her head and what was going on for her behind the scenes and speaking to people who are quite close to it. Like, I think the best job was done that could be done without actually having access to the main source, which was her. Mm. But I, I'm sad. I'm sad for her if she, because she has contributed so much to popular culture and pop music and she's such an icon. But I don't think it's too late for her to have a third act. Oh, God, no. I think it's time for Monica and Turban Britney. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for it. The three acts in a musician's life, if you're a woman, is Ingenue, Mava, and Monica and Turban. And I think that it's time for her to just completely embrace, like what Mariah Carey's done. Just mm. take the irony that surrounds you and weaponize the irony. And she'll be unstoppable because all her fans are now our age, a little bit younger. We're ready for the next act, Britters. Um, basically, we'll follow her anywhere. Oh, I mean, we're yeah. so fascinated by her. We, and we feel so her. protective of her. Yes. But I just think what a powerful legacy. And it, it's got all the elements of a great biopic, the mm. meteoric rise, the terrible midpoint, the people that betrayed you, the downs, the not sure if I'd survive, and then the comeback. Like... <laughs> It writes itself. Just it really want it. Does. Just want it so bad. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Everyone is obviously, there's a lot of emojis to dissect in that caption too. I don't know. I don't understand that. I'm, I'm sure there's hidden meanings, but I'm so exhausted from forensically studying Lil Nas X's clip that I couldn't give Britney's caption <laughs> the appropriate <laughs> amount of attention. <laughs> Look, academics need some breathing and recuperation space as well. It's true. You know, you'd be spending a lot of energy. Speaking of, we just want to just want to give some love to our Queensland listeners. We know there's a lot of you. 
Surprisingly, I'm pretty big on the Gold Coast, which, no, it's not surprising at all. Um, (laughs) So not surprising. (laughs) Nah. (laughs) They like a bold colour there too. (laughs) (laughs) They like a lip, a shoulder and a bold (laughs) colour. And some sparkles. So Palaszczuk's put them into lockdown. Yeah. Thoughts, feelings, prayers? My thoughts are, I mean, obvious sympathy coupled with. (laughs) Don't. Don't. You're such a smug smuggerton. All right. No, you're a I have a lot of Brisbane colleagues and and I totally, I'm feeling you. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. If you want to complain about it, maybe ring someone in Perth, not Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And like you, what did you say? You said to me before. Oh, they said, oh, my Easter plans are, you know, gone. Oh, no, that's bad. It's terrible. It's we terrible. know how terrible it is, but we're not over. <laughs> we did we four months. back to our 2020. <laughs> I am really sorry about your Easter egg yes. It's really bad. It's annoying. Yeah. And also, you know, it's just highlighting the fact that the virus hasn't gone anywhere and we're still not vaccinated. And no. so, and I'm a little bit worried about it's getting colder here in yep. Melbourne and mm-hmm. we're heading into winter. No one's got a vaccine and these leaks happen and... I really hope that we don't have another massive outbreak. I hope this one's contained and I certainly hope we don't face more lockdowns, my God. I know. And that's the thing. Like there's a lot of complaints about the snap lockdowns and what it's doing to the economy and I understand that and I'm I'm upset and angry for small businesses. But also, what's the alternative? Like what are you, what are you proposing? Mm. Because... The alternative is we just become America. We just try and ignore it and we let it out into the community and we go on as though nothing's happening. We can't do that either. No. So I genuinely feel stuck on this in that I disagree with the snap lockdowns because, and while it was fine for the snap lockdowns to be happening while JobKeeper was around, JobKeeper's now ended. Mm. So businesses need to be able to re- remain open. It's this horrible situation and I hope it's only a short lockdown, but, oh, gosh. Yeah, it's a catch-22. Oh. But having said that, I mean, yeah, definitely my preference would be short, sharp lockdown over mm. just extended, you know, the longer <laughs> you wait. God, but it is, it is really painful. And the fact that it happened just before a long weekend is sucks. Oh, it does. But also for me, I'm the, I've just got an email asking me to schedule my tour, my national tour. Yeah. What do I do? Because if I take a whole company to say if we were going to Queensland this weekend, which a Queensland stop is scheduled in, I've got crew members, band members. I've got all these people coming in from Melbourne. They'd be stuck there. I have to pay them a day rate. I also have to pay for all their food and accommodation. I'm screwed because I'm not going to have the show to generate any revenue through tickets. So as a life performer, I... And there's so many of us just, boy, I'm paralyzed. And I don't know what You to guys do. are a long way down on the vaccine priority list as well. You won't be getting it maybe <laughs> until the end of the year if you're lucky. And I've already said if somehow I get offered a vaccine and John Farnham hasn't had his, he can have mine <laughs> and my dad and my mum. Clearly, that will be the order. Priority. The and selfless donation. <laughs> to John Peter Farnham. Uh, but, yes, obviously hearts go out to you guys. In Queensland. Look, that's it for us today. We've gone everywhere. Jesus. We have. We did 40 minutes. There was just a lot of pop culture to digest. That's all right because we were used to doing two eps a week and now we're doing one. So there was a bit of complaints that the 35-minute ep last week was too short. So... Okay. This week's will be longer. It's well, fine. and also that video clip had so many different stages and worlds. We had to cover both the Garden of Eden and Hell and the journey in between. We couldn't, we couldn't <laughs> shortcut it. I'm sorry. <laughs> if we didn't discuss one of those elements, 
it would be like discussing 365 DNI without talking about the yacht. Like we just needed to cover it all. Oh, amazing. All right. Well, uh, have a good rest of the day. Yes. And speak to you probably later today, but for all intents and purposes, next week. Next week. All right. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. This is Emsolation. All right. Well, didn't we go some places? Thank you very much for being here. My second show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, M. Rossiano, Unplugged and Unleashed, is selling fast. First one sold out in a day. It's in a week's time, Friday, April 9th, 6 p.m., Melbourne Town Hall. Tickets are 54 bucks. It's a 75-minute show. And, look, a lot of it, if you came and saw me live at the bowl, it will be some of that stuff, but I have changed it because, you know, I never do the same show twice. So don't be afraid to come along if you've already came to the bowl. It will be the last time I perform live in Melbourne this year, I'd say. Um, it's probably time for me to do a bit of a national tour. But I wrote this show specifically for Melbourne and wanted to give it another go. So come along, support me, support my band, my crew, the venue, the comedy festival, live performance in general, support art in its time of need like it supports you in your time of need. That's all for this week. Thank you very much for listening. My name is M. Rossiano. Have a fabulous Easter if you're listening beforehand. If you're listening after, I hope you had a wonderful Easter. <laughs> Discovering everything. Bye, darlings. Our tickets through uh, comedyfestival.com.au or just go to at M. Rossiano. Okay, bye, darlings. It's going to be a really good show. Like, you should totally come. It's intimate. Chella's going to be there. Like, it's going to be good. It's really good. I just want you to see it. If you're from Melbourne, you need to see this show because especially for you. Okay, I'm going. Bye. Going. Bye. Love you. Bye.